Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Even in literature and art, no man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth without caring two pence how often it has been told before, you will, nine times out of ten, become original without ever having noticed it. C.S. Lewis Artist extraordinaire T.J. Cunningham lives by these fine words. Like most boys who grow up in the country, some of his first and fondest memories are of the river. To him, the river pulses with a sense of rest and a call to explore. It's no wonder that he's returned to this motif again and again since learning to paint. In each painting, he attempts to capture the joy that the river brings him. When he was nine years old, his family moved from the town of Cambridge, Vermont, to the wide open spaces of Addison County in the Champlain Valley. Leaving friends and familiar places behind triggered a deep sadness that he remembers well. It was the wildlife, particularly the birds that surrounded the new home that pulled him out. His natural response to these animals was artistic. He started to sculpture them, draw them in earnest, and in many ways, it was the wild things of Addison County that set him on a course to become the great artist that he is. At the beginning of his career, he wanted to paint portraits, but as the years passed, he inevitably had been drawn to the landscape. He remembers standing behind an easel on Little Hunter's Beach in Acadia National Park and thinking to himself, this is why I paint the landscape. The surf rhythmically lapped the shore while the summer sun shone down and his spine literally tingled with joy of the experience. You can see this joy in the paintings that Tim paints. They're extraordinarily beautiful and you can almost feel yourself stepping inside of them. So sit back and relax and enjoy this great conversation with this great artist. To learn more about Tim and his work, you can go to CunninghamFineArt.com. Take a listen. <clears throat> well, welcome to the Talking Joy podcast. You know, I'm excited to talk to you about your work. And um, uh, I am fortunate enough to, we own three of your paintings now, which is so exciting. Thank yeah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I have two kids who went to college in Vermont. Um, and, you know, we, we found your work when, when we were at a, uh, at a gallery there. And my, I think that you were actually, we were at a, an, a, an event one night and you were there and we wanted to say hi, but there was sort of like a long line of people trying to talk to you. And we were just in awe walking around, looking at the beauty of your work. There's something about it that um, it, it just, it has this energy to it that it just makes you feel happy. You know, when I walk in my living room, I have, I have one of your paintings on our mantle. It just makes me feel happy because I can feel the energy of it. I almost feel like I'm in the painting or there's a feeling about the, the painting itself that you feel like you could be sitting under the tree that you painted and you know exactly what that feels like, the breeze and being in nature. And 
Um, so I, that's personally how it resonated with us. And my husband obviously, you know, is a huge fan. So, um, so that's really what I wanted to talk to you about <clears throat> today, excuse me, is, uh, you know, where, how did this all start for you? And, um, you know, it, I read a little bit about you had a grandfather and a grandmother who were painters, but they passed 17 years before you were born. Mm-hmm. At least, I think they both passed in 71. So, yeah, long, quite a while. In a, in a uh, article that was written about you in, like, back when you first started, maybe 10 years ago, um, mm-hmm. in Addison News, I don't know if that's what it's called, but Addison County. Addison Independent. Addison Independent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so anyway, I, w- I thought that that was fascinating that uh, that they passed so long before you, but yet in a way that their gift was passed on and you received it maybe in some way. I don't know how that, how that lands on you, but what do you think of that? Well, certainly true. Seeing, seeing their paintings mostly around my grandmother's home, um, just having artists in the family was always an inspiration. And my grandfather um, was uh, my you know, my father, of course, dearly loved him. And so there's just sort of this, you know, I never met him, but there's this, there's this fond memory around him. Um, and so I have his self-portrait and there are a few other paintings of his. He attended Rhode Island School of Design, but then moved to Vermont to become a dairy farmer. So he, uh, he came from a, from a family in Rochester. And so he was sort of the the craftsmen, you know, there are all these carvings and etchings and, you know, he would carve stone and wood and, and then paint with oils. So that just, uh, it's a very special sort of, um, person back there that I only really know through the things that he made. And of course his, his children. And how wonderful of your family to continue to share his story so that then it planted maybe some seeds in you that, that encouraged and inspired you to embrace that the, the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well said. I think our, it's so important to keep those people alive. Yes. The next generation for the next generation. And it's, it's a funny thing now because I think of that. I'm only 32, but I think of that now because he, he died when he was 50. So, you know, that would give me 18 more years, which is still a long time, but still, you know what I mean? You know, it's just something to think about, but how important it is. I had this uh, conversation on social media with just my friends there about the importance of saving a piece of work occasionally so Mm -hmm. that there's something, there's something to hand down. Um, So, you know, there are tons and tons of sketches and studies, but, you know, a really significant important piece every now and then just to you know build that saving up um, over the years i would i would encourage you to do that it's tempting probably to to send it out into the world but to keep it it is for those people that are so dear to you and and maybe you know that that's the gift that your grandfather has given you is the reminder that you treasure being able to see his work and your children and their children will be able to treasure having some of yours as well. Mm-hmm. Certainly yeah. true. I love that. 
Um, so tell me a little bit about, you moved in Vermont when you were 10 years old, and this resonated with me because um, Vermont landscape is, is just breathtakingly beautiful, and it just changes constantly, and um, uh, the colors, and especially in the fall, I mean, I'm looking at a painting behind your shoulder, and it looks a little like fall, oh, yeah. say, uh, <laughs> with the mountains and the and the trees. And so tell me a little bit, you said that, um, and this resonated with me because my parents also moved when I was 10, not far away, but far enough that it was unfamiliar and new and different. And it sounded like you went out into the wilderness and spent a lot of time outside um, in the streams and, uh, you know, kind, kind of, I don't know, I feel like it was contemplative time. Certainly. That you spent as a 10 year old. and. Yeah, so I was born in the town of Cambridge, Vermont, which I don't know if you've ever been, but it's sort of near Stowe, okay. and it's just the perfect little New England town. There's an, a general store, um, the church, the little houses, the sidewalks, you know, it's just quintessential, right? The and there's clapboard. a little, what's that? The white clapboard. Yes, yes. Uh, the, house, the house that I was born in and grew up for the first decade um, was uh, pre-Civil War, so very old, you know, New England character kind of home. So that is, you know, that's where I that's where I started. But of course, we were in town, and so I had friends, and we would, you know, run up and down the street with each other. I learned to ride a bike on the sidewalk with my friends. You know, just that that sure. beginning, and the uh, the farm across the road, you know. Um, they would herd there. They had a herd of Jersey cows and they would herd them down the road to pasture. They would close the road in the morning, herd them out and then bring them back up the road in the evening. So it's just this beautiful sort of rhythm to that place. And I still, I love to go there and paint. In fact, the, the painting just over my shoulder is of um, a barn just a couple miles up the road from the town of Cambridge. So, but then in um, when I was, when I was 10 or really nine, my family moved to Addison County, which is uh, where Middlebury is. So you're much, I think you're familiar with the, just this big, broad landscape, at least for me coming from Cambridge, you know, it would just felt like we were in the middle of nowhere, you know, um, neighbors very, very distant. And so it was a lonely time for me and I was homeschooled in addition. So there's really, you know, it was just, there was, a, I had a lot of time to myself and and so walking in the woods and that uh, really what happened, the, all the birds of prey that I would see around, just, I just loved them and still do. I still have, you know, I still love to paint birds, but I was just so inspired by them and, you know, set about at nine years old making a uh, sort of sculptures in scale of all the, the, the raptors in the world, right? That was the goal. And so that, that was the beginning. And, and my parents really saw that they knew I was creative, but, you know, most little children are, right? You know, I, I was creative. My sister was creative. We would draw. We love to do that sort of thing. But I was just consumed with this, you know, this hawk collection. And uh, they saw that and started really sort of feeding that then. <clears throat> so. Oh, I love that. And, and I wonder, you know, I, I look at people's lives sort of as, 
you know, how, how maybe, you know, we are being led by God in these different chapters. And I wonder if it was almost a gift, if you could flip it around a little bit, a gift in that you were lonely and you spent so much time outside that it opened up this wider view that later you would use in your work or really you started to then, um, you know, with being out into nature and sort of, you know, falling in love with, with all of these birds. And, um, and when I, when I actually read about the birds and I can see the, uh, the bald eagle behind you. Oh yeah. And another <laughs> there he is. <laughs> and I love that. And I see a lot of bald eagles in the mountains in Pennsylvania where we spend a lot of time. Um, and they just, you know, they take your breath away. I've been photographing one comes to the stream every morning to feed. Um, but, uh, I have a son who, who is at Middlebury, who spends a lot of time, um, he's an environmental studies major and he loves the outdoors and he's been like that since he was a little kid. And we sort of have nurtured it and been able to by spending a lot of time in the mountains. But um, when he was in high school, he was on this quest to find the, the elusive snowy owl. Oh um, yes. <laughs> I don't know if you've painted the snowy owl yet. Um, I have. And we, uh, we would go, we're not far from New York City, and we would go on these wild, like, after-school drives to go look for, he would follow these birders, and they'd say, oh, there was one in Bayonne, New Jersey, which you would never imagine, but it's along the water. And I remember one day pulling up, like, skidding up in the car, and we saw all these photographers out, and we went running up, and they, we said, is it the snowy owl? And they said, yes, it's right over there. And right when we got our binoculars out, they're like, oh, it's gone. And and so I said to him that half the fun was this quest looking for, for this bird. If we had just found it, it wouldn't have been as special. Um, but anyway, he arrives at Middlebury a few years ago and he sees the snowy owls all the time there in the fields, which I think is, is really neat. Um, and so the birds, I think he just drives around, he'll leave class and he'll just drive around and photograph them and, um, you know, not just the snowy owl, but, but all sorts of birds of prey. So when I read that about you and your attraction to the birds and painting birds, that really resonated with me just for my own life because my son kind of like, I, I like it much better. He likes to look for snakes too. And I like, <laughs> I like looking. That's great. <laughs> but I understand that feeling, that call of wanting to be out into nature. And, and so um, you said you have painted the snowy owl. Is that you just said? I did. I painted. I painted. A, well, the the actual painting that I completed in my studio, I named the Snowy Owl's Haunt, and the the experience and the photographs came from. I was painting, and it was four degrees above zero, which is really cold to paint. Um, but I I painted a, a sketch from life, and it was of a, a, a frozen pond and some dead grass in the snow, which is just I love it. And someone, someone pulled up from a class four road that I was standing near the intersection of and said, there's a snowy owl just down the road, you know? And so of course I, you know, put everything in my car and, you know, went down the road and there it was sitting on a, a fence post and it flew and it flew to the top of distant, really tall pine trees. And by this time the sun had started to set. So there was just light at the top of the trees mm -hmm. and it sort of, it leaned back 
you know, with the, with its wings spread yeah. in the, that last sunlight at the top of the tree. And it was just this massive, beautiful white wingspan. And then it flew around and then it came back to the fence post. And so in painting the, the painting, the snowy owl's haunt, one of the things that I was thinking of while I was painting it was the, the snowy owl is so at home here, right? And although there's a road through the scene and you can see distant buildings, I am not at home here. If I spend the night out here, I'll die, right? Mm -hmm. Like literally. And so there's this sort of fearful, you know, interaction with the landscape where it's never really tame, right? Even, even in a place like Vermont that has been plowed and seeded and harvested, you know, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of times, it's still that night, that evening, belonged to the snowy owl and not to me you know, which is just a really cool feeling. So that was the painting. Wow. And so how do you, you know, that sounds like that moment wasn't very long. It was fleeting in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you capture that image in your mind's eye when you continue to paint? So you couldn't, or did you just paint it right there on the spot? Were you able to paint? No, I had the sketch. And so I have, I have lots of little, little sketches, probably about 300 of them in the studio. Um, but the, the, it's really a memory. It's really a memory. And, you know, the more pain I'm in, you know, the colder or, you know, wet, hungry, tired, whatever it is, the more uh, sharp the memories are. So it's good to paint from life. Um, but no, it's really, and even, especially in that piece, I really painted it from most of it, not most of it. I did rely on, I take photographs, I did the sketch, but a lot of times I like to turn that off at a point in the painting when it there's just there's something about painting a memory that's stronger than trying to copy a photograph or even trying to uh, interpret a, a sketch yeah oh that's incredible so that that's interesting because um uh there's a process to it that i maybe didn't quite understand with the sketching and the photograph um but i but it makes sense to me now what you said when we first started to talk about how sometimes you're in that bubble where you feel like you are at one and time isn't really a reality or, you know, there's so yes. no sense of time. And I understand that now more because I think when people see your paintings, they don't really realize, or at least I didn't, the depth of background that goes into it, the layers of the process of the you know, sitting in temperatures that are unpleasant, sitting perhaps in the rain and, and maybe being hungry and tired and maybe your back hurts and, and all of those elements that, that are layered on that go, that go into the actual process. So, um, yeah, I think I understand that a little bit more, that it's not um, just this guy out in the field just like, wee, just throwing the oil across the can. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, 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 not often. <laughs> yeah. So what excites you the most about doing this work? Wow. What excites me the most? I'm not, I'm not sure. The, the thing that there's, there, there are always, there are always a lot of things in play. Of course, I love to look at the work of masters and try and understand how like all the technical aspects of a painting. So 
um, pushing myself and growing in my sort of technical ability is certainly part of it. But that, that only carries you so far. I think a lot of it is just is trying to tap into a feeling. And then that's really, um, I'll listen to, I'll listen to a song, you know, and I, and, and it just gives you that feeling. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Right. And I think it would be amazing if I could paint a painting that communicates that strongly, you know, that just makes you feel something in your core, you know? So that's, that's a lot of what I'm after as I'm composing and thinking through whatever it is that I'm getting ready to paint. And do you feel that the people that are lucky enough to have one of your paintings, you know, that I feel like that's how I feel about the painting. That's very good to hear. Right. Thank you. It's so interesting because when I was preparing for our talk, I read about, um, there was an article that I was reading and it was talking about the song versus art and that art is a spirituality as much as a song resonates with you in a spiritual way. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel that way about your paintings is is, is what you were saying that you're trying to achieve. It is being felt on the other end of it. Um, So so I guess just to, to go to dig into that a little bit more, I would ask, um, what motivates you in the morning to get up and to do it? I, it's just, it's the, it's the joy of doing it. It's the, it's the, the fact that it is my vocation. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, my, my father was a machinist and woke up and was gone before I was awake and then back late and then to bed by 7.30 and six days a week, just about doing that. So in becoming an artist, there's sort of that, you know, and he was raised on the dairy farm that my artist grandfather started. So I don't know if you've ever spent any time around dairy farmers, they just, uh-huh. they can't stop. They can't stop, right? They, they're, they're the hardest working people. A job, it is. Yeah, my brother has a dairy farm, so. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, I, I get it. So I think, I think part of that is just seeing, you know, his, his influence and just, I don't really think about it. I just get up mm-hmm. and I, I come to the studio and I work because this is my vocation, but you know, what excites me is of course the being able to create these, these paintings. Yeah. And I think you answered it. It brings you joy. And then, um, and then it also ripples out and offers the people who receive it, um, it also brings them joy. And that's something, that's something that as I have grown, because it's a funny thing. I don't know how many, like when you're all, all right. So my classmates and I in art school, we just wanted to paint. Right. And the thought that these paintings would mean something to someone down the road. Nobody was talking about that. Nobody was thinking about that. And most of the time in, and even even the the other you know because just not not where I learned to paint, but most of the places people learn to paint, the teachers aren't really they're teaching you know they're not really full time professional artists putting work out there either, right yes, so they just they're it's a new idea for me that part of part, as I grow as an artist, it's becoming really important the thought 
that I want this painting to make someone's life better. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's pretty revolutionary that that's something that, you know, and I, and it's just that, that has been a really big refreshing blessing for me because when it's all about you, right. It gets pretty unpleasant pretty quickly. Right. And the more you can think like, I am enjoying this process, but I wouldn't keep all of my paintings if I could. Right. I want them to go out, but where do I want them to go and who do I want them to go to? Well, I want them to be a blessing. Right. And so, so even if it's just a glance a day, I want this painting to make someone's life better when it gets there. So that's, that's, but that's new to me. And I haven't, and it's funny because I talk to artists all the time. Maybe someone said that somewhere along the way, but I've never heard it. You know, Ooh. we're not really prone to thinking like that because <laughs> we're in our studios by ourselves, you know? Yeah. I feel, I feel like, you know, as a spiritual person, that that's, that's an elevated way of thinking of your work that you're stepping beyond it or outside of it a little bit. And then, you're able to see it as the in a bigger picture than mm -hmm. just the process of making it. It's sort of the whole the whole circle of it the, from the beginning to the you know all the way to the end of where, where it arrives on somebody else's doorstep. I find that piece of it fascinating, and what a, what a spiritually mature thing to think about your work. So so I guess what I was starting to say too is that um, you painted a place in the river where we go in, in Pennsylvania, my husband gave it to me, surprised me, I had no idea. Um, that was it, a great project. It made me cry. Um, be, and I wept because that place is so dear to me. And, you know, we went into the pandemic and one of the things that really was healthy for me during that time was um, I would go on a run every morning, but I would, I would, in, intentionally end at this place in the woods along this stream called Red, the Red Rock River. And no one would be there and sort of had it all to myself. And there was this big rock and I would sit by this waterfall, this small waterfall um, and pray. And, um, and I had a lot of insights and a lot of things came to me during that time. That place gave me such comfort. So for somebody to hand me a painting of it, this keepsake, of this place that's so sacred to me and you captured its essence um, really was just so moving. And I felt connected to you, to my husband, to God. Like, I mean, it was just this full circle of, of giving. Um, and so if that helps you, you know, going forward with your painting, the meaning that it has for, for people, it's just that, um, yeah, it's just an incredible gift that you have. And, and um, oh, it certainly does. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And yes, that, that's inspiring. That makes me want to paint. Thank and you for sharing that. that. You, you said that you get up and you paint because it brings you joy and hearing that story, I hope brings you joy in, does. you know, in doing, in doing more of the work. Um, so one of the things that I loved um, that really stuck out to me and my husband was like, Oh, I wondered why he did that is that you put the letters P T L under your name on all of your paintings. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. That's uh, that's praise to the Lord. And when I, and when I, um, when I sign a painting, I always hum that hymn to myself. I can't really sing. So I hum that hymn to myself, uh, praise to the Lord, the almighty. And that, that is, 
it's it's intended to be well i mean it i mean it in humility that everything everything that i do is contingent on god mm-hmm. that the i mean just just this beautiful this beautiful landscape that we live in my abilities uh even having people to encourage me along the way the fact that i am an artist and able to do this and the years that it's taken to be able to learn how and all the support that I've had from not just my parents, but also uh, my, my extended family, aunts and uncles, grandparents, and now my wife and children. I mean, just really the, the fact, so signing, signing my name and saying, I did this, right. That's what you're doing when you're saying, sure. you know, when you sign something, there has to be, there has to be, um, there has to be something in there to say, but I didn't really do it alone. <laughs> right? Right? I love that. I love that. But it's also, I've received it as like another layer, like a hidden blessing upon the, the beauty already of the painting. But then there's this sort of hidden, not hidden, but there's this, you know, I didn't know what it meant until I read about it. And my husband didn't know. He's like, oh, I was curious about that. I didn't know what it meant. Um, and so when did you start to do that? Have you always done it or like what, at what point in time did you start to, to, to add that? When I graduated from college, I had just become a Christian. So I started, I started right away in my first show. And at first it was only the paintings that I was really, really pleased with. And then, and then it just turned into all of them. Yeah. You know, if it gets a signature, that's, that's what it, that's part of my signature now. Yeah. So. Well, I love that. I feel like we've un- unpacked a hidden secret in, in all of your paintings and, and this secret uh, um, offering or a blessing that you're giving thanks for the gift. And then the people who are receiving it also are getting this little blessing. At least that's how, that's how I, I'm seeing it. Um, yes, Exactly. So how, I was curious about this too, because I was looking at your paintings and all of them have names. Um, Mm -hmm. Mine in particular, the one that you did of the place where we just talked about um, said meditation. I think it's meditative or meditation or something on it, which is, which is. Meditation. Yeah. And so how do you come up with the names? So that one, your husband told me that you meditate there. Okay. Right. And so that was a special piece from the beginning. And really before I'd even seen the pictures, I knew that. So that was part of the process for me, but naming paintings is difficult. I think maybe less difficult now than it was, but the, I have, I'll listen to music. And if I hear a lyric that I'm very moved by, I'll write it down. And so I have this list of sort of, feelings that are associated with words and I'm trying to match those to paintings. So that's part of the, the naming process, which we talked about snowy owls haunt, you know, and that, you know, pretty, pretty basic. And uh, my, my painting of the Eagle, I named the return. The uh, story. Yeah. They, they were, they were gone, you know, they were gone. And uh, when I, I was able to spend about three years back in Addison, recently uh 2015 to 2018 and one of the one of the things that i did was sort of re re um sort of acclimate myself to living in the landscape and so i i walked in the woods a lot 
um, during that time period. And, and one time I was, I walked down past the farm and into the, um, the trees and the hills and then down towards um, a, a creek. And the sun was low in a winter sky, or it, was, it must have been early spring, really, really early spring. And I just saw the shadow where I was walking and looked up into the sun and there was a big bird right in the sun, like right in the sun. And I couldn't tell what it was, but I could tell it was huge. Yeah. Um, so I kept watching, sort of walked towards where I had seen it, but it, it obviously had seen me and stopped and turned around, right? But then I saw it again and it was this big majestic bald eagle. And I never, I've walked in those woods hundreds and hundreds of times, never seen a bald eagle. Yeah. So that's another one of those experiences just that, and then we were going, uh, my family and I were driving uh, along the road near the same place where I was walking and one flew right across. It was a bridge. We were coming down onto a bridge. One flew right across low over the bridge with branches in its mouth. It was obviously building a nest. Yeah. And so all of that sort of, you know, so the, the return, we were talking about naming paintings and I got sidetracked there, but no, it's okay. That's, I just, just for the listeners, the return is that the bald eagle had basically almost become extinct. Extinct. Mm -hmm. And yeah, growing up. And, and things that were used in the sixties and seventies, perhaps. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. They made their shells weak. So when the mothers would roost, they broke their own eggs. Um, so, so anyway, the, as much as I can, the, uh, the titles of the paintings are pointing towards the story, toward the, the story of the painting. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of other, other titles. You have, you have October's Rhythm um, and just that, yes. you know, and just standing out there and watching the leaves blow. And if you, if you notice, even rivers, there's sort of a pulse, mm -hmm. you know, there's a repeating, there's a rhythm to the way, the way that water flows, the way winds and trees interact. And so, you know, that, you know that's the sort of thing that inspires title. This, your, your, the way that you're describing your work and how you go out into nature and look for maybe inspiration um, to paint. And it is all such a spiritual practice to me. There's so many parallels, even in my own work that, you know, you listen to music for a word or a phrase for inspiration. You go out on these walks, you look, you notice, you know, the lighting, the, um, uh, the environment. And it sounds like all of that is, is this connection to the earth. And, and um, it's all of those things are such a spiritual practice. And I, I found during the pandemic that, um, you know, many of us um, spend a lot of time inside and, and forget about nature. And, and your work you've never left it, but I think that people have, um, have connected in new ways because they've been at home, not able to go to offices and get in the car or get on a plane and go places. And I think people are venturing outdoors much more often. Like there's a area in New Jersey that crosses over into uh, Pennsylvania called the Delaware water gap. And there's, you know, the huge Delaware River and these mountains, and it's really unbelievable. You feel like you're, you know, you're moving into a different place when you drive through this area. And on a Saturday morning now, you can barely drive through there because it's all, you know, state parks and people are out and, and, and enjoying this. And, um, but it sounds to me like you've, you've been tapped into it since you were a kid. Mm -hmm. 
you know, since that 10 year old, but well, really beyond, before that, when you were noticing the rhythm of the, of the, um, of the farm with the, with the, the dairy farm with the cows and, and you, you said you could still feel that. Um, and it's just interesting to me, um, that the rhythm of places that you're tuning into them and then that comes out in, in your work, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it really pulled me back. I, wanted to be a portrait painter when I graduated from college, focused on the figure. And, and I, I have, I've painted several portraits and just the, the way that, the way that life went, the way that God worked it out, that um, it just so happened that people really responded to my landscapes. And so I would paint as many as I could around my, my portrait commissions and just, I just sort of came to the realization I would much, and it, you'll understand this. I can, I can get really, really excited about staring at a tree and just become totally engrossed in the tree in a way that I've, I've never been able, I have rarely been able to have that sort of a connection with a person. Mm-hmm. It's a strange thing, you yeah. know, but I just, there's just, there's no, there's no, there's no boundary on interacting with the landscape. You can just, you can just be, you can let yourself go, if you will, right? And it's never, especially, especially when you're trying to paint portraits of people that you don't know, yeah. right? It's just, I just, I was not able, and some portrait painters can, you know, I mean, but I, I wasn't able to. So like you paint, that's kind of the landscape. The difference between the two and, and felt more called to the other. And, you know, maybe, maybe the, the nature piece was always there for you, mm-hmm. even though you have a gift in the other one, maybe the nature piece um, is just more of where your gifts are, are being called forth. Perhaps. It's certainly, it's certainly where I'm more comfortable after painting. I think I, I, I probably about five years, I was, I was serious about portraiture. Okay. But... Yeah, and I read about that. The nice things that I read um, about about your work with that was that um, you saw the good in people. Mm -hmm. Said something about that. You said that you loved painting portraits because of that you could see the God given good, or or I, you know, I might be making up some of those words, but it was something along those lines, and I love that. But I also think that you see that in nature too. Mm I mean, it's obvious. I mean, that's where that joy piece comes out, that you, you see the good in it. Um, and, and you recognize that the snowy owl was in its own habitat, but you weren't. You were a guest there. Yes, it <laughs> certainly was. I remember one time we took the kids to uh, Yellowstone Park, and it was pretty amazing. And I remember the lady at the hotel in the lobby said, just remember when you walk out those doors, when you leave the hotel, that you become part of the food chain. Mm-hmm. And that was like a, you know what? She's right. Like I need to respect the dynamics of, of nature and understand that I want to witness the beauty of it, but I might belong in the hotel lobby come nightfall when, uh, when the, uh, when the big bears come out. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, that's, that's one of the growing up in the East where, you know, long ago, um, the, uh, the, the, the top of the food chain was chased away. Right. Yeah. And, but painting out West, you know, it's, 
it's still in place and you're still, and, you know, walking around in those hills and those trees, you know, there, there really are creatures there that uh, there's a whole different feeling to the West. There's just that. um, I felt vulnerable. There was a vulnerability there where I don't feel that here. Like I'm, I'm not really even afraid of, you know, we have the common black bear and, and many of those in Pennsylvania. And I, I photograph them often and I don't really, I'm not, I don't feel fearful for, for my life, you know, but I also don't put myself in situations where, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been so exciting to, uh, to talk to you and to, to learn about your work and, you know, everything that has called you to it. Um, You know, I find it fascinating and inspiring and, um, you know, a little window into, um, you know, the guy behind the, uh, the paintbrush. Um, you know what I was curious about um, too is is you've moved to are you in Tennessee? Is that where you are now? I am. Mm-hmm. And That's so right. um, I'm not sure why you moved, but how different is the landscape for you um, from Vermont? And are you painting landscapes there now? And and what has that transition been like as an artist for you? I'm painting. I'm painting the landscape here some. But I'm still I'm still really really connected to the Vermont landscape. So I travel there. Um, I travel there to paint. Usually I would I would have spent quite a bit of time up there, but this year I haven't been able to. Um, for the same reason everybody hasn't has been unable to do all the things they usually do. But no, I've just found um, a dairy farm here. They're they're not as common here. It's, it's really sort of um, it's more of a beef beef cow sort of country, I think. But, you know, dairy farms in Vermont, they all go together for me. So I found a dairy farm and I've been spending some time there. And I'm hoping, uh, I really, the more I paint, the more interested I am about the creatures and the people in the landscape. You know, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really wanting to start to incorporate that sort of thing into my landscape. So I'm working on a painting now of, uh, it's an, it's a, it's a winter scene. It's moonlight on a full moon on snow Aww. with a, with a Fox in it, you know, and there's a house in the distance with the lights on just sort of, so wildlife, how it's, how it, you know, and the same idea as snowy owls haunt that it's there all the time, you know, and existing and we're sort of in the distance. Mm-hmm. That's what this painting's about. But then East Tennessee, East Tennessee is, it's, you know, the, the move was more to be closer to family. Okay. I have, th- I have three little ones, a six-year-old, a two-year-old, and a baby. So, so we have the two-year-old's almost three, but still, you know, we're, they're all very young. And so being closer to grandparents and aunts and uncles was important. And we don't really have, uh, didn't really have that in Vermont when we moved. Yeah. That's so important when the kids are little to have that support system. Um, Mm -hmm. That's great. Good for you. And I love that you still go back. You know, my father always said that, um, that people are like homing pigeons and that we, we always want to go back to our roots. We long for that. And um, I love that you go back still and paint there. I wondered, you know, when I saw on social media or somewhere that you had made the move, I wondered if you made the move just for, for painting sake or, um, you know, I wasn't sure if it was for family and, and so it sounds like it was for all the right reasons, but, you know, given the, aside from the pandemic and not being able to move around like we could, um, it sounds like that's where your heart is. 
still mm-hmm. as far as if your painting is concerned that 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 landscape you know brings you joy mm-hmm. and i think it's because it's the it's the landscape of my childhood yes you know you just can't you just can't get away from that it's yeah. very hard to adopt something new you can explain like, i love i love montana i love to paint in montana you know yeah. but but i noticed while I was there, I was looking for things that reminded me of home. I wasn't, you know, so, and that's, that's kind of the way the, the landscape journey you're looking, you're looking for things that moved you when you were 10 or five or seven or something, you know, and I remember, I remember being moved by the Vermont landscape very, very young. I was very young when I realized how incredibly beautiful and there's just a feeling to it, you know, um, and it's funny because there's a, there's a painter named Aldra Hibbert and he was from the Cape Ann school of, of painters. And I think he died in 1975, somewhere in there, but I was loved his impressionist paintings, you know, didn't really, I just loved them, you know, really. And a lot of people do. Right. So I'm not alone, but I really, really loved his work. And then I realized that he was painting Cambridge which just amazed me just like that's why (laughs) there's something about those paintings and of course he's that's that's home you know so there's sort of that double they're beautifully painted but I recognize the place so and it wraps back up to the beginning when we started talking about you being 10 and that that move you know I believe was a blessing um, even though you may have felt that it wasn't at the time because you longed for what, what was familiar in Cambridge, but mm-hmm. you know, moving to, uh, to that Champlain Valley. Um, mm-hmm. is... Boredom and loneliness are a healthy thing. Yeah. Over, overstimulation is unhealthy. I at would... least that's what the, the wise people tell me. Yeah. And no, and I would regret, agree because I'm also a contemplative person and spend a lot of time um, alone and outdoors and walking and, and nature and, um, it's, I know it fills my cup. Mm-hmm. I always feel like when I remove myself from sort of the frenetic energy of like, you know, four kids and a busy life and I can remove myself. I mean, it goes to that painting that you painted of my river when I can go, when I can go down there, when I can go out into nature, I come back, um, you know, filled with this sense of, um, presence and connectedness to to how things should be you know so often you know at least the people that i work with and i'm not far out of new york city so it's a fast-paced environment here and people are always either rolling ahead into the future or they're thinking about the past and and um sounds like your work is very present Hmm. i'd like to think so i really appreciate that Well, thank you for your time and um, for sharing your story and being with me today. It's been a complete honor and uh, we will continue to be huge fans of, uh, of your work. And I wish you, you know, deep blessings on your, on your journey as you continue to, to grow as an artist and grow your family. And yeah. Well, thank you, Pam. I really, I really appreciate that. And it means so much to hear that, um, that these paintings move you and it's wonderful to have had this conversation. I really, I really appreciate your time. It's been great. All right. Well, God bless you. Thank you again for your willingness to, uh, to sit down and talk with me today.
Absolutely. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at talkingjoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.